Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Dustin Box. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. Come on, all right, disbelievers. How do we do it? It requires that we ask some deep questions, some hard questions. See, Jesus was so fully convinced of what was going to be accomplished on the cross that he was able to engage without any anxiety or any fear in all of the different places. He was so free, right, that he was able to associate with people at times, have dinner at people's houses, in, in, a, in such a way that he was at least close enough that people could make the accusation that he was a drunkard and a glutton and a friend of sinners. It doesn't mean that he was a drunkard and a glutton. What it means is that his life, he was able to live in such a way and engage society in such a way that there was relationships and people connected to him that he could have been accused as guilty by association. Makes us a little uncomfortable. The reality is, is that the, the supernatural invasion of the kingdom of heaven is rooted in compassion. If you go back and read the Gospels and you begin to look at when Jesus stepped into places and it has like these crazy verses where he healed all that came to him, right? Like these verses that are just like over the top expressive in how powerful the miraculous flowed. Almost every single one of them, I can't say every single one because this morning I didn't go back to look to see every single one. But the majority of them are rooted in this. He had compassion on the people and healed all of their diseases. He had compassion on them and multiplied the bread and fed the 5,000. Are you guys tracking with me? And compassion is rooted in your ability to love well. Compassion wells up inside of you, not from a distance, but when you are hands-on engaged in people's lives in a way that love is stirred and care and concern is stirred in a way that manifests in compassion for them. And out of that place, it opens the door for the supernatural to invade, for the kingdom of heaven to come and be established, that the will of God would be established here on earth. Come on. Matthew 13, verse 33, it says, Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. The actual context is that believers would be able to be so rooted in the transformative work of the cross that they can step in without fear and anxiety into all places of society until all of society looks like the kingdom of heaven. That society begins to take on the shape and the look and the feel and the attitude and the expression of the kingdom of heaven. That is a tall order, you guys. It requires that we shift out of a perspective that would cause us to go into our homes and close doors and close windows and withdraw from places of society. That we would respond instead of anxiety or fear, that we actually understand how to respond in faith and in and, and, and confidence in what Jesus did on the cross. Guys, this is huge. The idea, it gets thrown around and talked about in church so often, I think that sometimes we forget the actual ramifications of what that looks like and what that means and the requirement that is actually on our life to engage society, to actually step in with love and compassion 
and, and to actually step into a place where it can create and cause influence. Amen. You know, to, to do this right, we have to be able to engage, right, the right way. There's, I love the verse to be as wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. That, like, it actually requires wisdom. It requires maturity in your, in your life. Like, you can't just step into situations that you're not ready for. You can't step in out of a place of brokenness and put yourself in situations where you're going to uh, walk in compromise. Do you understand? Like, it requires maturity in your life. It requires that you actually take the time to build character and strength so that you can step into and carry what Jesus has placed on your life, you can carry it into society. You understand, like, maturity in your life, you're, like, if you live your life propped up with crutches, you will not be able to stand. And many of us live our life with these crutches, with these braces that we have substituted the strength of the cross for a brace that you've put on your life. And it's actually, it's actually fostered immaturity in your faith. Having done all to stand, stand again, stand firm. There's this, this understanding that it, it is, there is this responsibility for us to go deep in our relationship with God, that we go deep in a place where we, we set our nose to the grindstone to produce character and perseverance in our life to where we actually have the strength to stand and engage with authority and maturity. And, and, and I, I feel like at times... Leaders in the church have done a real a poor job. Not here. This church is perfect in every way. In every way. No, I'm kidding. We like this is obviously a huge value of our team. So I am kind of preaching to the choir a little bit, but I want to lay this. I want to lay a bit of a foundation. The church oftentimes has substituted maturity with legalism. They have substituted the responsibility on believers to, to walk in a right place with Jesus. They've substituted that for a list of rules. Which is the actual rebuke that Romans writes and he writes again in Galatians. Paul does where he says, he says, what you have received through the spirit, you are trying to keep with the law. And you are nullifying the grace of God in your life. You are making a joke out of what Jesus did on the cross by trying to bring about maturity through laws and through rules instead of the cross of Christ. Instead of understanding that what you received through the Spirit in terms of your salvation, the born-again experience, that you're actually called to maintain it and grow it through the same way. So the, 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 the job of leaders, it actually feels safer oftentimes. It does with your kids, right? To just be like, no, you can't, you can't go to that party. You can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't have this. You can't do that. No. But rules, but, and then we, for good parents, right, oftentimes we substitute like, like the new catch words, like boundaries and consequences, when really what you're manifesting is rules and punishment. Consequences and boundaries are not the same thing as rules and punishment, but you can say whatever you want and still use rules and punishment to drive behavior. See, God's actually called us to the, the verse where it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, that you so value your relationship with Jesus that it stirs within you a desire to safeguard your connection with Jesus and out of that place and posture, maturity is formed. 
And out of that place and posture, there is safety in a pursuit of him, understanding that there's no sin that's too big for the cross to cover. There's no failure in your life that's too big for the cross to cover. There's no, there's no place that you can screw up that the cross can't redeem and, and restore. Like being so fully convinced in the finished work of the cross. See, and then it goes to the next level. It's not just about salvation and forgiveness and restoration in your life, but it's understanding that the victory of what Jesus did, it established him as the king of heaven and earth. And every ruler, every principality, every dominion, every God of this age is submitted and put under his throne. And you carry that same authority on your life. You actually walk and you're called to manifest the same authority in establishing the finished work. The, the king of heaven has called you his ambassador. He's called you to, to go into the world and establish his kingdom. It's, it's, a, it's a fun study to sort of look at, um, but if you, if you try to find verses that talk about a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom belonging to darkness, kingdom of darkness, you can't find it in Scripture. And I understand this is a bit of a play on words, but I wanted to illustrate my point. The point is there is a kingdom, it's his kingdom, and there are portions that are still in darkness. A kingdom in darkness. There is, there, is, there is portions of the kingdom that have yet to be fully illuminated and restored back under his feet. And we are the ones that are meant to call and to, that are called to go into those places and establish the rulership of heaven in those realms. That there's an actual authority that God has entrusted onto your life to carry the light of the gospel and the hope of the gospel into that realm. And when we as believers choose to take a back seat when we as believers choose to operate in fear to hide away because some big boogeyman is out there because there's some demon we don't want to get slimed with or some philosophy that makes us uncomfortable, we, we remove our capacity to bring influence and transformation to the very society God has called you to bring transformation to. There is not one night that is more evil than another night. And your absence on the streets creates that evil. It gives space to the demonic to occupy the, a, a place and a property and a territory instead of believers establishing the rulership of heaven in that place. I, I, love, I love history, right? I love ancient history. I love all of it. I, 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 I listen to podcasts. I watch shows. I read. I love it. I love it. All of it. Ancient megaliths is super fascinating. I'm going to nerd out on that for a while. We don't have time this morning. <laughs> One of the things that is just so profound, you, you, you hear it in the stories of, of ancient, sort of like the northern Celtic tribes, like in northern Europe, uh, in, in the UK, in Norway, Viking traditions. You hear it actually in Native American traditions. But there's this, this common phrase and thread that like gets spoken of. As believers begin to, as people begin to convert to Christianity, as, as believers begin to put their faith and hope in God, that the, the shamans and the witch doctors begin to use a phrase that, that, that their gods are becoming silent. That their capacity to access the demonic occultic realm that had its influence in their realm was diminished the more people put their faith and hope in God. 
And there was a direct correlation to their capacity to hear the demonic voices and actually bring, like, the, the, the influence of that through their leadership in tribes was actually being silenced and diminished, not even as Christians, like, tried to silence them, but literally as tribe members and people began to put their faith in Jesus Christ. It established the rulership of heaven, and the authority that the demonic would operate in was getting diminished and diminished and diminished and diminished until it, they began, they just, it was a common phrase, like, Our gods are silent. We can't hear them anymore. Guys, this is like, this is important to understand. It's important to understand because the reality is, is that right now there's conversations around certain things that my my fear is that believers have adopted an attitude of fear instead of recognizing the fact that, that Jesus Christ broke the back of the enemy. That, there, he, that the power and dominion of the demonic realm has been utterly destroyed. And it is, our, it is on our shoulders to implement the kingdom of heaven. It is on our shoulders to step into places and bring the light of heaven. We are called the light of the world. Can I read a couple verses, you guys? Good, because I'm going to. Isaiah 60, verse 1, right? Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. This verse, like, it's written to us. You are meant to shine. You're meant to shine. Stand up and shine. That's what that means. Arise and shine. Why? Because your light has come. And because of that, we actually have a call to bring that light and release it into the world. That doesn't happen at a distance, you guys. That doesn't happen in a commune in the distant backwoods of Maine. I love you, man. I love you so much. Um, there may be a season where you need to seclude yourself to allow Jesus to do some work in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the, the understanding that, like, God actually didn't intend for us to seclude and separate ourselves. We're called leaven specifically because we're supposed to be planted in. Do you understand? Like, that is the actual picture. We're going to read some other verses that, that continue to explain that. But are you, are you guys Okay. All right, let's read this, look at this next one. This is Matthew 5, 13. It's the same, same idea. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Come on. They set it in the middle. Why? So that everybody can see it, so that it can be on display. Man, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You understand, when you begin to take the posture that, that, that is expected, honestly, it is actually expected of your life that you would be a light. God called you a light for a purpose. There is a, a job that is on our shoulders as believers. And when we do it, when we step into that place, it causes hearts to turn and glorify the Father. Come on. Sometimes we, we, we over-spiritualize this at times, just to be really honest. Sometimes we, we, we go back and we're like, all right, God, what is, what is the thing that I'm supposed to do? And he's like, I created you with passions in your life. I've created you with dreams in your life. 
I've created you with capacities to, to, to connect with people in the realms that you are called to be engaged in. Some, for some of us, the, the pressure of finding that exact perfect one thing needs to be lifted off this morning. That you need to understand that like when, whatever realm that you find yourself in, that is the space that you are meant to illuminate. You love gymnastics? Well, transform gymnastics. There's a lot of hurting kids that need help right now. Do you understand? Like, like you, you love music? Yeah, please. There are hurting, dying, broken musicians that need the hope of Jesus Christ in their life. You know, you, you, you love city ordinance stuff. God bless you, whoever you are. <laughs> there is a town office near you that needs the hope of Jesus Christ in it. There, need, there needs to be towns that understand how to manage things with, with a God-given understanding of, of, of organization and in, in, in breaking corruption and the influence of evil. You understand that like, corruption exists because believers took a back seat and gave it space. This is, like, it, it, this is like the actual understanding of what it means. The reason why I wanted to address the political and the religious spirit is because the temptation is to step into a realm and adopt the spirit that is there, right? Step into politics and you adopt a political spirit kind of thing. Like, and that's, that you have to understand that that's not the, the, the call. The call is to actually shine the hope of Jesus Christ. And it requires maturity. It requires asking difficult questions, of what does it look like in this space? And not everyone is called to the same places. Do you understand? There will be grace on your life to the place that God has called you. There won't be grace on your life to places that he has not called you. Do you guys, are you guys understanding? I'm going to use this illustration again. I, I kind of was thinking I, I wasn't going to go here this, this morning this, in this service. But I feel like I need to. That, like, So years ago, right? this was probably uh, 14, 14 years ago now. I was youth pastoring. And I'm preaching messages Wednesday night, like, take your school campus, be light, bring the kingdom of heaven, pray for people, miracles, like, I'm preaching all this stuff. This is stuff that has, like, been in me for a long time. And I, I remember, the, like, this moment I'm preaching and realizing, like, it, like, <laughs> I don't know if this has ever happened to you, like, you're talking about something, and then it's like your mind starts, like, traveling, like, and having its own thoughts while you're still talking. And it, this is, like, what's going on, and it just sort of hits me, like, I don't think I know a single person that doesn't know Jesus right now. And I'm, I'm preaching a message of bringing light to the darkness, of, of stepping into realms that need the kingdom of heaven established, like school campuses, friend groups, you're hanging out with your friends. Like, and I'm like, I'm preaching this thing, and I realize there's not a single place in my life that is actually needs the light of, of God in it. And I, I remember just being like super convicted at the hypocrisy of what was taking place. And I, you know, I worked at a church. I had great friends. My life was awesome. It was, there was nothing, that there was anything necessarily wrong. And for a lot of people, that would be the pinnacle of what they would hope out of a Christian walk. And it's not, guys. It's not the pinnacle at all in any way. So I went back and I just started praying. I was like, God, like what, what am I supposed to do? I've got to find a place. And I'm sorry, like drinking coffee in a coffee shop doesn't count. Okay, like me going on Wednesday afternoons and, and studying to preach that night did not count as me like having a place where I could like shine the light of Jesus. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And so like I did, I went back and like 
this is, many of you guys know this about me, but I, I, don't, I don't really usually talk about it a ton. I don't really talk about why, but this was when I went back and I, I went downtown. I found a club and I actually put in a res, uh, an application to be a bouncer at a nightclub. <laughs> I was done fighting. <laughs> I had stopped fighting at the time. And, and I went in and that's actually like took me, I was youth pastoring all week long and then I'd, on the weekends I would, I would bounce. And it, it was, I don't know, two, two and a half years of that. What's, what's incredible is that, like, you, you understand, one, that, like, I mean, one, I'm sort of an extreme person, so I was like, I'm going to go find the darkest place that needs the hope of Jesus that's within a circle, certain driving distance so I don't have to commute super far, you know. Like, <laughs> it's like, like, as long as I can, you know, you know, clubs do, so California has a rule, like, that bars have to close at 2 a.m., so most times I, would, I was getting home after three, you know, because we had to clean up and do a bunch of stuff. And, and, and you know, I would, I would sometimes Thursday, Friday night, some, I tried not to do Saturdays because church was super early, but I, sometimes I did. And it was so incredible to watch an environment be infected by the presence of Jesus. And, and, and there are times to preach. There's times to stand up on a street corner and declare the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They won't know unless the gospel is preached to them. You have to understand that there is an actual responsibility for you to open your mouth and to preach the gospel. Like, you, you have to understand, right? Like, there's both components of that. And then also, when I stepped into that, into that club, I was the best freaking bouncer that I could possibly be. And what was incredible is is guys, after like two, two and a half years, I can only remember like maybe two or three times where I ever got physical with a, with a person. And I'm gonna tell you what I wanted to so many times. I wanted a taste of the action. <laughs> I wanted it. Oh man, I wanted the action so bad. <sighs> Listen, once a fighter, always a fighter, you guys. Like... I know this is silly, but like, I, like legit would like, I'd show up and like, I'd come on on like a Friday and like Thursday and they'd be like, oh my gosh, it went off last night. Holy cow, the cops, we had to call the cops. There was this going on. And I'm like, I'm ready. I'm so ready. Tonight's going to be awesome. And then nothing would happen. Nothing. Nothing, you guys. For I'm talking about, it was like two years, I think, before I ever had to physically remove someone. And, it, like, I would step in, and literally there would be, like, stuff beginning to happen. I'm like, hey, bud, come here. Come, I'm going to talk to you for a second. And we'd step outside. I'm like, all right, man, I think you're done for the night. He's like, oh, okay. I was like, dang it. I thought he was going to swing at me. Oh, I was so ready. Oh, man. It was, it was profound to watch. Like, there was nights, too, where, like, we had a couple nights. There was uh, certain gangs that were moving in from the Outer Bay area into, into where we were because they were trying to just take over new territory. And so they'd show up at the club, and, and it was like there were some really sketch nights. There was one night we actually had a, a, an African-American gang that was there, and then at the same time, an Aryan Nations gang showed up. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It was, you know, but it's incredible to be in that environment and to just release the peace of God. It's the God of peace that crushes Satan under his feet. And legitimately an entire night where that was in the same room and nothing happened. Not a single thing happened. And, and what was profound is after it was, it took me like a year, but it started to notice whenever I was scheduled on shift, it was like there was just calm. 
nothing would take place, nothing would happen. People would show up that were like threatening. They'd like have sent threats before, then they show up that night, and it was just like nothing would take place. And it, it was, it, God kind of took me on a journey to sort of teach me some stuff, and it opened up some incredible opportunities for ministering to people and praying over people. And like it was, it was really, really a, a fun, profound time. The point, though, the point is to understand that your absence creates space for the enemy. Do you understand? Your absence creates space for the enemy to take that place. There is a kingdom. It's God's kingdom. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Every dominion, every principality has been put under his feet. It is, the kingdom is his. And the only space where darkness is manifesting is space where believers have, have, have not occupied and allowed the transformation of the gospel to take place. Come on. Can I read this verse to you? I'm going to read some verses to stir some faith. Is that cool? I have so many more notes, you guys. I'm sorry. I, there's a lot of study in this. There's a lot of verses. Uh, I realize I'm sharing a lot. Um, but, yeah. Matthew 16, verse 13. Come on, let's read this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Who do, who do, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. All right, this is important, okay? Super, super important. Now listen to this. And also, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Guys, the amount of authority that is represented in those two verses is absolutely profound. And most of us live our life afraid that someone's Pokemon shirt is going to, like, get on us. I mean, I don't live that way, but I know a lot of people that do. I, I'm, guys, do you understand? Legitimately, he's, 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 he's positioning you as a believer to be an implementer of the kingdom of heaven, and you're afraid of a card game. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have healthy boundaries. I'm not like this is not a, a sermon about permission to do stuff. The, 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 it's the posture of your heart. It's the understanding and the conversation that comes out of your mouth. It's what we're, what we're structuring our belief system centered around and understanding. And recognizing that Jesus can, can sit and have a conversation with a tax collector, be invited to their house, have dinner with them, and never bring up the fact that they're a tax collector. Like, he can, he can be in that place and then bring redemption and, and, and restoration to a person's life because he steps into a place out of faith and understanding the finished work of the cross. Man, listen, this, this verse, when I was, when I was a teenager, I, I, I assume many of you guys hear this verse from the same position. For some reason, when I would hear this verse, I would picture... The promise of this verse is that the invading armies of hell will not prevail against us. How many of you guys kind of like? Okay, the problem is that it says the gates of hell. In this, in this verse, who is the invading force? 
Who is the invading force in this, in this verse? And what are we invading? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What are gates used for? They're boundaries. They're, they, they represent authority in, in, in Scripture, but it also represents a gateway and pathway into a realm. And the promise is that the invading force is actually the church. And that the defensive line of the enemy will not prevail against the invasion of the church. That's the actual promise of this verse. You, do, you, do you understand how that shifts everything? It, it shifts the posture and the conversation of your heart and, and, and as parents, as, as spouses, as people owning businesses, as people stepping into society, it, sh- it completely shifts the perspective that you need to have. That, that hell literally is, is the, the, the expectation is that we are invading this realm and that hell cannot stop it. Do you understand? We are meant to go into the enemy's camp and pillage that camp. Like we are actually called to invade. We are not called to defend. You're not sheep, guys. You know, the, the verses that talk about you as sheep is, is posturing your relationship before the Lord, not before the enemy. Your, the, the, the passages where it refers to you as a sheep, it, it is linked to the relationship that you have with, with your father. To the faithfulness and the shepherding of the father in your heart and in your life. It is not in reference to how you're meant to approach the enemy or to, to posture yourself as a believer or to engage even as a family. It's important to understand that. And, 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 and the reason why I wanted to, and I started with leaven, and I want to bring it back into that, is because leaven, there's this thing that happens where it's not, it's not allowed. It's not this giant picket line. It's not screaming. It's not posting stuff on social media. It's actually understanding that it is just working itself into this realm and allowing the hope of Jesus Christ to transform it. That the fact that as leaven invades bread, as it, as it just does its thing, it multiplies and just works, it, it works its way through the dough, that it causes transformation from within. And after a little bit of time, it's transformed. Shining your light is not that picture with an eagle and a ray of light and Psalm 23 at the bottom. That's not, that's not what God intended when he wrote six, Isaiah 60, verse 1. Now, listen, fill social media with positivity. I'm not like, I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing that at all. Flood it, okay? Flood it with all the eagles and shofar pictures that you have, okay? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you just like flood Facebook and Instagram, okay? Do it. But that isn't, that isn't what shining your light is about. That's not what, when we talk about bringing the kingdom of heaven, that the will of God is established on earth as it is in heaven. That's not what that's talking about. Come on, can I read you a couple more verses, you guys? We're just about done. <clears throat> and whoever, uh, uh, yeah, Beth, thanks. <laughs> I'm not always very clear. The problem is, is that I get into this and it's like, I actually have, like you should see my notes, pages of notes and just awesome points. We're just gonna, I'm gonna say this point and then I get up here and I'm like, just it's okay. 
I want to read you a couple of verses. I, I just want to make some statements here. I want you to understand that the position, like the, these are only just a couple of verses that carry with it the same context. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and all those who dwell therein. Ephesians 3, 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. Not some, not just the ones that you're comfortable with. Not just the ones that you like or your style or your preference or your history tell you that's okay. All things were created by him, through him, and for him. What that means is there is a redemptive story in every component of society. That there's a redemptive purpose in everything. That Satan is not a creator. Satan is not a creator. Do you understand? He takes things, he manipulates things, he perverts things, he changes things to his purpose. He, he, he attempts to bring fear to the body of Christ so that they'll leave realms of society alone. But I'm telling you what, there's a redemptive thread and a redemptive story in, in everything that you see in the world. And it requires maturity to ask the questions, what is that? What does it look like for us to step into this place and bring the light and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It requires maturity to ask the tough questions is what would it look like for believers to step into this realm that looks dark and scary, but to bring the light of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? What is required of us? Does it look like preaching the gospel? Does it look like just coming and loving on people and giving hugs and, and being there? Does it look like just, just hanging out? Does it, what does it look like? It requires maturity. Am I called into that space? Do I have grace and capacity and anointing to invade and to step into that place? Are you guys tracking? See, the, 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 this thing isn't just, it's not just about like this, this context to be comfortable. It's the fact that we're actually called to bring transformation. And to bring transformation requires engagement. It, it requires that we're working to step into those places. Come on. I'm sorry, I called you up a little early. Can I tell you a quick story? I'm going to do this really, really super fast. we got to end. I just want to tell you, because I want to just paint a picture of, like, what I mean by this. In Fiji, one of my spiritual fathers, Dan McCollum, has this just incredible story. He was part of this, this thing that took place in the Fijian Islands. They have this drum. It's this wooden boat-looking drum called the lolly drum. And it was intimately connected to witch doctors and witchcraft on the islands. They would play it. Demonic spirits would manifest. People would levitate. All sorts of crazy, weird, supernatural stuff would take place. It's not an exaggeration, okay? It was, like, embedded into, like, human sacrifice and occultic and demonic stuff. You can understand the church's posture to that drum, right? Like, no association, that's demonic, it's occultic, get it out, whatever. They step in, the, God's, like, doing this story, this revelation. They step in and they see this drum, like, wow, they, and they didn't know. They're like, oh, just tell me about this drum, and they start hearing about it. And God brought revelation and understanding and, and understanding that you understand all things are created by him and for him. What is the redemptive purpose of this drum? And they stepped in with, with, with faith and permission. Like God did this incredible thing. They brought the drum into the church. They began to play it. And the, the, ba 
of the enemy was broken in that region, and it released a revival across an entire nation into the deep jungles of Fiji. Like, to the point where the, the president, like, it transformed government. Like, a, the president became a believer, was releasing, like, Christian statements over the nation. Like, you guys, the actual story and testimony linked when a, when a people group refused to allow demonic presence to have any foothold in their realm. And they realized this thing right now is, like, we see it through fear, and God has a redemptive story in this. This was created to bring praise and glory, and God is enthroned on the praises of his people. And they begin to praise and rejoice and celebrate. And, and, and the presence of God invaded a nation. Come on. You guys, this is like, we're not, we're not, this is not just like something to make you feel good when you go home. I'm telling you, there is a purpose in what God is doing in this thing. Whew. Come on, you guys stand with me. Let's pray.